Welcome to Life is a Metaphor mini podcast, where we explore the many metaphors that life has to offer. A friend and I were jokingly wondering out loud if like all the coolest people (laughs) or the people that we enjoy the most, the people that we feel take the deepest personal responsibility in their lives were in fact people that as kids knew that no one was going to come and save them because we both relate in that way. Neither of our parents ever gave us the impression of being willing to come and save us. It was like the opposite of that. We had like no support even because that's actually what I want to talk about is like saving versus supporting. (laughs) But we didn't even have really the much support thing. It was like the one thing our parents did impress upon us over and over was like, I'm not going to save your ass. There isn't any situation, like no one is coming to save you. No one is going to save you from anything. (laughs) That was something that was really, you know, rough for us. And, but it did really do great things for us as well. I mean, it did horrible things and painful things and amazing things as everything in life always is. But yeah, a lot of the people that we know that are just the kind of people that you would want on your team are the kind of people, you know, that seem mature, deeply mature, like emotionally, spiritually, like taking responsibility for themselves, know how to communicate with others, know the necessity in it, know how to pick up and get something done and like be the first one to get to it, you know, lead and follow, you know, just all these kind of things that make them a great person to have on your team and really kind of a very stable, confident presence to deal with even. Uh, Those people are usually the people who have at some point like realized very deeply that no one's going to save them. And in fact, that isn't what they're looking for anymore. Or like, they're not waiting on it. They're not waiting to be saved in any way. No one is going to save They've realized the harsh reality that no one's going to save them. And it's all right. They've gotten over it, you know? And sometimes they came by it like in a really hard way, like we did, where, you know, got slammed in their face that no one's coming to save you. And other times, you know, maybe it was like a personal discovery where they realized, you know, oh, I don't want anyone to save me. Um, That wasn't fun when someone did or, you know, it diminishes me or whatever. You know, everybody comes about it their own way. But it was interesting to consider because I think it's a really important difference. Uh, You know, it's like there is this huge rampant thing going on in our culture I even saw an article, um, I think it made it into the New York Times about this Dr. Becky woman that's like so cool and hip with all the parents because she's giving like real honest and different parenting advice from what people have been saying where, you know, it has been just like treat them like wonderful angels, tell them how great they are, tell them how great they are, tell them how great they are. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with like trying to see that child's spirit and like tell them how great they are. I mean, you don't have to tell them, you know, horrible, insulting shit in order to, (laughs) of course not. But it's gone a little far in the other direction. And she's kind of, um, I don't really know a lot of her work. I know some of it. I plan on looking into more of it. But 
you know, I don't want to make a generalization, but from the one article that I read, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so we're kind of like bringing things back to center again with some like logic and reasoning behind it and some studies too. I think she said there were some studies basically showing like, you know, they have to be able to experience discomfort too. If your goal as a parent is to, oh no, oh no, 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 no. You know, they can't have any discomfort. Anything goes wrong, you jump in and save them from it. It is like you're saving them from it. You're like shielding them from discomfort and you think that's your job as a parent. You think that you're there to like give them this like pristine and precious childhood that has zero discomfort in it and you are absolutely creating a very bad or destructive or like polarized delusional situation you know their skills are you're like atrophying their muscles you know their skills are not up to snuff if you do something like that you're creating an unrealistic expectation that's only going to lead them to like pretty devastating disappointment and like a time in their life where they have no coping skills (laughs) because I mean, it does sound sweet now, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds sweet to like rush in and save them from any discomfort. Uh, Of course, you know, uh, that does sound like something we might want to do for our kids as parents. Like, yeah, my job as a parent is to make sure, you know, stuff isn't awful and that they have this like sweet, loving, wonderful, like absolutely euphoric experience of childhood. Well, you know, (laughs) I mean, I hear you. I I have feelings like that as a parent too, but one, I mean, this Becky's uh, sort of point was that kind of runs you ragged as a parent. Like you are actually a slave (laughs) um, who is being asked to do absolutely unreasonable things at all times. And you're just like your, your child's whipping boy and it like creates a destructive behavior for you and your sanity as a parent and you like will basically resent parenthood or like having to do this horrible mom shit you know because it'll feel like horrible mom shit uh if you like adopt these mentalities subtly in these small ways you don't realize you're like creating your own demise here but also it like creates a child who is like I've never had to deal with any discomfort. (laughs) I don't even know how to negotiate my own like needs or, you know, like balance out my own situation. Take lemons and make lemonade. I don't know how to do that. You know, the child doesn't have any idea how to do that. And the example she used in this article, which was like, oh, that's a good example because this happens all the time. And we think that it's like something small and it's no big deal, but it's like, ooh, damn, you got me. Uh, But it was like, okay, you know, the kids building a tower, a block tower. And the tower falls over and the kid is like, ah, you know, just like crying in actual distress that this thing they were working on just fell over and it's totally, you know, on the floor in pieces and like, oh, my tower fell apart. And, you know, she uses the example of like, we as parents now have this thing where we're supposed to like, okay, it's okay, it's okay, let's rebuild it, let's rebuild it, let's get rid of all the discomfort, let's rebuild it, and I'll rebuild it, and so then mom's rebuilding it, and then don't you see how that then creates this, like, scenario where you're like, oh my god, I hate being a parent, I'm kind of a slave, like, I'm being forced to just live my life, like, sort of making sure this person experiences no discomfort and like, you know, because the child, I mean, I don't remember the example, but like maybe the child is like, you know, wanting you to rebuild it. But basically the example she gives is to say lovingly, like hug the child, 
tell it like, oh my gosh, I know how that feels. That's happened to me too. Or like, it is so upsetting when something you've been working on, it was a beautiful tower. It's so upsetting when something you've been working on like falls apart like this. I'm going to give you a hug. I'm not going to help you rebuild it, though. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not going to help you rebuild it. But if you'd like to rebuild it, you can. Or we can, you know, move on, you know, whatever. I don't remember the rest of the example. But this concept of I'm not going to help you rebuild it. I'm loving you. And I'm understanding what you're going through. And I'm not going to help you rebuild it. This is uncomfortable. And uncomfortable things happen. And you're going to sit there and feel some uncomfortableness, like, because it just happens to all of us. And that sounds like so mean and torturous, doesn't it? Like, I just feel like we have these sort of almost like societal guilt um, buttons in there now uh, as parents where it's like, oh my God, you're just going to like tell your kid, like, nope, I'm not helping you rebuild it. Like, what an asshole parent. And that's not, that's not. I mean, she's like pointing out like, oh no, that's actually amazing to do for that kid. I mean, you just can still love them and like give them so much support, which kind of brings me to my next point, which was the support versus saving. Give them the hell out of some support, but not the saving because you're not going to help them rebuild it because, you know, maybe you're doing some other stuff or you don't want to. You're, you know, blocks isn't what you wanted to do today and you're not going to help them rebuild it. But they will they will work it out. And, you you know, you give them that confidence. Like, I know you'll work it out. I know you'll figure it out. Like, if you need me to hug you for a little while longer, that's fine. Um, you know, but, like, I know you'll get it worked out. And also, like, it's really, uh, you need to get good at your skills. I mean, I don't know if you go this far as to saying I would. I mean, this is how I talk to my kids. But it's like, you need to build your, build your skills on handling rough situations. Because rough situations do happen. Disappointing things happen. Unexpected things happen. Your creative endeavors sometimes just don't work out. And like, I know you need this skill and I know you'll be able to work it out. And I'm pretty excited to see what you do work out. You know, who knows what you'll come up with uh, to figure this out. I mean, and, you know, then you get to watch them like maybe they, you know, whatever end up singing or making it into a new game to rebuild it. Maybe they move on and they learn to kind of like let go of the fixation of having it exactly perfect. Like you just don't know. But either way, they're going to deal with some coping or create, develop some coping skills for, you know, persisting through some freaking discomfort or some disappointment. And I thought that was really important. And it points out how often we save I mean, I don't even need, I feel like I could go on <laughs> about how our culture just glorifies saving. Think about all the movies where someone's going to come and save the day or someone's the chosen one that will save all of civilization or, you know, some romantic relationship, some uber connection, this love of your life is going to like save your broken, sad self and your broken, sad life or having money is going to save, you know, like situations will save you meeting the right person or some stroke of luck or striking it famous or, you know, was going to save you, like pull you out of whatever discomfort that you're in and just end it, just deliver you straight from it. And you won't have to deal with any discomfort anymore. That's the total delusion of it is that like at some, you know, this saving point, 
you'll be delivered, delivered right up on out of there. And, you know, man, you'll be dealing with mostly and like if there was discomfort in your situation before, it will just like evaporate <laughs> because of this saving force. And like maybe you'll deal with some discomfort in the future. But hey, Something might save you from that, too. But like this constant presumption that if you're feeling discomfort, something will save you from it and just like make it evaporate instead of the real truth, which is your coping skills are what's going to make it evaporate or your own, you know, creativity. I don't know. Or that it won't evaporate, that it'll be there and you'll feel all the way through it. But it's everywhere in our culture, this like concept of saving. I mean, <laughs> I've gone uh, on my fair share of dates and heard my fair share of stories from women and and vice versa. But I'm just saying, you know, because I am a woman, but um, like, you know, of people that males that I would be trying to date who very clearly expect you to want to save them and to feel like, oh, my savior about them, you know? And so, I mean, you know, it kind of makes me unappealing <laughs> because I am like, yeah, I don't think you're going to save me because I, you know, that's not the feeling I'm going to have about you. I'm not going to be like, oh, you saved me, you know? And they're like, what? I don't get to feel like a hero savior. Now, okay, hero is a different word and we can get into the male psychology and hero might mean like useful, helpful, you know, sort of essential force. Yeah, now that is an important part to make someone feel useful, helpful, and essential force. But like savior, ooh, that gets into like a little bit of an extreme or a polarity because, right, then there's a victim and who's the, you know, or the weak one or the one that needs to be saved. Who the freak wants to be that person, you know? So um, I don't know. That's, I mean, maybe some people do like that because it makes them, I know that people do like that. I'm not even saying maybe. <laughs> I know that people do like that um, because, yeah, it's, it's that concept of like, and then I want to be saved. You know, how wonderful. That is the biggest, most lavish gift that someone can bestow upon me. Why? Because it is ingrained in our culture. And yeah, it goes all the way back to our childhood where it's like, that's what mommy and daddy were supposed to do. That's what love is. That's what being loved by the universe is, is that you just get saved, you know, or being loved by a person is that they just save you, um, you know, or that's what being a valuable person is. That's what's being, you know, some wonderful treasure in this universe is, is that you would be saved if you're valuable enough if you're enough of a treasure and if the world sees it then you're going to be saved like people will save you things will save you you know and it's unfortunate that we've like associated it with that because then when we don't get saved which is like pretty inevitable because i don't really think that the saving thing is like um built into the fabric of the way this world works you know it's kind of this figment and this polarization that we've come up with in our own minds when we don't get saved and when that doesn't happen to us and when somebody doesn't rush in and save us exactly how we wanted them to, you know, then like we feel all unloved and not treasured and not valuable and like, God, oh, no one, I'm so unvaluable. I'm so unworthy in life. And we're like, does anyone love me? And what, you know, why isn't anybody wanted to save me? Why does anybody not, you know, and Honestly, whether we think these things directly or not, and I think many of us do think it just like that, but even those of us who think that we might have like matured beyond it, oh my gosh, there are still, still so many undertones of this in there, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, kind of humbling 
if you really look at it honestly and be like, whoa, there's still a lot of that in there. Uh, or, you know, I look back at my life and I realize like, oh my God, there were so many years where I just sort of believed this undertone lie that like at some point I'd be saved, you know, at some point I didn't know what was going to do it. Maybe it was finding the right job or maybe it was finding the right person or meeting the coolest group of friends or like finally belonging to this like community that I want wanted to belong to of cool people or, you know, finally reaching some enlightened state or some sort of wisdom level, like making sense of something in my brain and I was going to be safe. Something was going to save me from just discomfort. Like I would just be enlightened enough or like risen to some level to where discomfort just wouldn't happen anymore. And it's like, oh, God, what a lie, man. That stuff makes you more uncomfortable than anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's such a such an entrapment because it makes you more miserable than just dealing with the reality of discomfort sometimes, you know, being told lovingly that someone's not going to help you uh, fix that tower. Man, you know, that's uncomfortable, but like way better than thinking that, you know, someone's going to save you from every situation and having no skills to be able to even deal with any discomfort. Because, you know, it's like you break down. I mean, we, I've definitely seen plenty of adults that break down mentally and emotionally at the child level when they have to deal with like a tower that fell down and no one to save them or rebuild it for them. Like I've seen adults go through that very same metaphorical experience and like lose it like a child, you know, that has no coping skills whatsoever. Um, you know, you can just see that they're emotionally just like flipping in there. And yeah, they don't have the coping skills. And isn't it worse uh, to think like, oh, people are supposed to do this for me. And if they're not, it means I'm horrible. And you know, no one loves me. No, it doesn't mean no one loves you. Mom is still here loving you, hugging you saying I support you. But I'm not going to help you build that um, back again. I think you'll do it. I know you'll do it. I'll be here while you do it. You know, that's for you to do. This is your tower, your project. It fell down. Gosh, I know exactly how that feels. But like giving somebody that realistic understanding where like love persists and is not based on this whole saving thing. What a gift, you know, and like how much more horrible is it <laughs> to do the other where, you know, this person's like, oh my God, if people loved me, they would save me. That's what love is. That's what being valuable in the universe is, is like having things swoop in and work out and thinking that one day, I mean, what a torture <laughs> uh, game, you know, what a horrible torture game to basically just sit and string yourself out over the one day when things just work out, <laughs> when you have your shit all together, which aka means some shit saves me. I mean, I'm going to be saved, you know, whatever is going to do it, but I'll be saved. Uh, that's basically what that means. Those are what a lot of those sort of like underlying uh, like structural components of those types of beliefs are is like the savior thing. Um, so now I'll just basically say like um, the only other piece to that is the support uh, you know, because my friend and I were talking like, okay, well, we don't want our kids to think that we're going to save them. And 
that is what our parents did, right? Even though they did it unwittingly, or, you know, they they just did it uh, because they were fairly cold and not supportive. They did it because they had no support for us whatsoever. But the positive of having no support is that, like, we knew no one was going to save us. And so we got that. And that part was great. But the support would have been nice, you know, like it's it's okay to have both. Like I think a nice medium can be found. And that was sort of more about the like block tower example. But support is possible. You can absolutely support other beings. That is what we're here to do. We're not here to save other beings though. I think also some of us get off on this like, we will be value it valuable if we save other people or that other people won't love us unless we save them. In fact, that's how to secure other people's love and devotion and loyalty is by saving them. Or that's how to be valuable and to feel good about ourselves and to feel the love that we need is by saving other people. It We're not here to save or be saved. Like that isn't, that's an extreme. It is twisted. It leads to places that are very torturous for no good reason. But you are possibly here, you know, or you. it is possible to support and be supported. And it's not the same as saving because the support is that thing <laughs> where it's like, I support you. I freaking support you, but I don't save you. I'm not going to rebuild this entire tower. Uh, I might lay down a couple blocks. I might give you an idea or two, or I might do neither, you know, and just like be here to hug you. But yeah, I'm not going to save. And that really is a tough concept for us. We like really need to zero in on like, oh, when is it saving? When is it supporting? When is, you know, I, I think, I think it's a hard thing. The other little tidbit was like, and for us, because, you know, we were so unaccustomed to any support whatsoever. It was like no support that we kind of had to learn that we, because we took like so much responsibility. It's like, no one's coming to save you. And you're probably not going to get any support. So we just like take all this responsibility on ourselves. Like, okay, we're just going to handle everything and cope through the entire bit ourselves. So when support is available to us, we actually don't know how to lean on it. And that was sort of another little fun metaphor where it's like, oh, aha. So like, even if there is a structure next to you, I mean, like a freaking chair or, you know, crutches or anything that you might need to support you. The structure is right there next to you. So support is there, but you have to lean on it for it to actually support you. You have to lean your weight into it. So there is a responsibility that we need to take in receiving the support, leaning into the support. You have to, or else the support can't support you. It could be there, it could be right there. Um, but it, you know, it can't actually be supportive unless, you know, it's there and you're leaning. Uh, so that was kind of another little piece that people like us have to figure out. Cause it's like, oh, okay. I gotta lean. I gotta like sit in the chair. I gotta like lean over and like put my weight into the chair. Oh, okay. Um, because it's also sometimes easy to be like, I don't feel any support. And it's like people are around you and they're like, but we support you. And it's like, well, I don't feel any, I don't feel any support. Okay, yeah, but you gotta like sit into it. <laughs> you know, like you have to sit into it. And people who are used to doing everything uh, for themselves, like it's hard to sit into it. So anyways, 
those were all the metaphors that came from that conversation. It was a fun one because, uh, I don't know, anything that can like hit grand societal problems and small parenting issues or large parenting issues, whatever the case may be, and also like deep internal existential stuff about, you know, one's very own understanding of, you know, whether you're valuable or not or how to be valuable. I feel like those are fun, you know, where it just crosses the entire span uh, of everything kind of all in one related subject. I like those metaphors best. So see what you think. Thank you so much for listening. I've always loved playing with ideas and deepening in any way that I can. I find it brings connection back. It enlivens you, especially if you're using real play and games to do it. So come and check out all the games and stuff that we've got going on at bringconnectionback.com.